We're live in three, two... Boy, does it feel good to be back, baby. Welcome into Leather Brains, your hostess with too much of the mostest here, Slapdog. And I am joined today by Scotty Del Rey and Alan. We have a fun-filled episode for you, ladies and gentlemen, out there today. We're going to be talking about a lot of different things, as we always do every single episode. We're going to be talking about the veteran running back signings, because there have been not one but two veteran running backs that are now off the board and what the implications are for both NFL and fantasy football output from those two gentlemen. We're also going to be talking about Trey Lance because Trey Lance, he had his preseason game this year and maybe not the greatest out or showing for, uh, for old Trey Lance there. And then we are going to be discussing running backs in the fantasy football tiers that we have said running backs in we're not going to go too far and too deep in every single running back because nobody wants to hear that but what we are going to do is bring up some interesting points see where some tier breaks are and have some conversations regarding running backs so gentlemen before we do all of that is there anything else you guys want to discuss before we uh we get into business i want to talk some football bro let's do it okay we're getting so freaking close we are we're getting there can taste I'm it. I'm about to buy Red Zone for the first time in my life. I'm so excited. Do you got to know? Yeah. If you know anybody with a college account, for all of our listeners out there, YouTube has said that they are not going to be releasing a college or university discount. And then they went back on that. And I'm actually pretty pissed about this because I just bought Red Zone on Sunday. I know someone that doesn't watch football that goes to college and I could use their discount. And now I can't. You should be able to cancel that. I don't know. I haven't looked. I haven't looked. Or the 4D chess move is just go enroll in college again and then use your new email address <laughs> to get red zone. You That's think about it. Yeah, just get like do a part time, do like a three credit hour class to have the email so you, you can. Well it'd probably still be cheaper. In, in, in biology yeah, what something. classes would we take? Let's all do that. Let's all just like create a fake guy and then enroll this person in college somewhere and just take like some <laughs> online classes. Just do like the algebra two of math or something for yeah college credit. I'll do art, I'll do art history. I could do algebra two right now. I don't think. <laughs> okay, we'll go. We'll go. We'll take a step back. Like basic geometry, maybe. Just do like an English class. We can do an English class, dude. I don't want to write. Are you kidding me? We've already well, read just... all the books they're going to make us read. That's true. I, I already write. To Kill a Mockingbird, probably. True, and we could use Chat GPT to write anything we have to write. Okay, let's That's just enroll true. in college to get the red zone. We got Scotty, it. Figured out. You're I welcome. think. Yep, well done. I, I like that idea. So if you guys don't know, though, uh, YouTube did announce that today. So if you have the homie hookup there with a college email and you are interested in getting Red Zone, get a little bit cheaper. And I highly recommend college. you do. Or you if you're in college. It, you could do yeah. it legitimately. That's true. Mm-hmm. But we're not. And I wish uh, I wish My we had the is, discount. I got, so. the, I got the buddy system. Oh, yeah, you're fine. All right. Well, let's get down to business, gentlemen. Hey, boys. Let's get down to business. All right. Let's start out with the Colts. And they have officially announced their starting quarterback. Colts head coach Shane Steichen announced Tuesday morning that they have named Anthony Richardson, their rookie quarterback, the regular season starter. Not a surprise. I think that probably should have been what happens anyway. So I don't know how much analysis there is to give here. 
I, Garner Minshew was not going to be the guy. They, you know, they very obviously drafted Anthony Richardson very early for this reason. So let's see what the kid can do. So I, I mean, we could go into the weeds with uh, with Anthony Richardson, and we've kind of discussed him before. And I don't know if it's absolutely necessary. I don't expect him to be great this year. Mm-mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, best best case scenario, he's a fiend with his feet, and still the whole offense from fantasy or for fantasy purposes is probably not going to be overly reliable. So even in a best case scenario, you want Anthony Richardson on your team, but I don't know if you want any of these other Colts on your team unless their name is John Taylor and he's playing. Well, yeah, the big asterisk there is if he's playing. That was going to be my point is right now the Colts need a goal line back. So this makes sense naming him the starter because they need somebody to run that ball in from the two. So this makes perfect sense. Quick question while we're talking about Richardson, just the more I watch these quarterbacks play in preseason, the more I see tape and the more I read what I read about them. I'm nervous. Like none of these quarterbacks that were taken to the first round are going to be worth anything. <laughs> I'm be. They, they might all be trash. Could be. Could be. Well, the, thing, the thing about quarterbacks taken in the first round is they tend to go to teams who are already struggling, so they have to be spectacular in order for it to be really true. Worth it to That's a good true. That's a good point. And you know, we, we mentioned John Taylor; he was absent from practice today. It was an undisclosed reason. However, the Colts um, they gave him an excused absence for it. So, not sure what's going on. Obviously, we know that there's still some drama going on with Jonathan Taylor and the Colts and his unwillingness to want to play for them, but. As we have all pretty much came to the conclusion, John Taylor will probably be playing for the Colts because there's a lot of financial um, risk in him not doing so, and he would be giving up quite a bit. So it really doesn't make sense for him. Colts have all the leverage there, and I do expect Jonathan Taylor to be playing and suiting up for them this year. While we're talking about running backs, gentlemen, let's just go ahead and talk about the veteran running back signings. So the Jets have agreed to a one-year deal with running back Dalvin Cook. Cook is getting paid paid up to 8.6 million with the majority of that money guaranteed get that money bro Mm. he's still at least a week away from being cleared to practice after undergoing shoulder surgery as well as the fact that he will be late to uh to the jets because his wife is uh i think she's about a week away from giving birth so Mm. he uh wants to be there for that i think that's very understandable what do we think about this? I mean, there's there's quite a bit to unpack. Of course, Dalvin Cook, we know him from the Vikings. He was a very dominant running back. He is getting a little bit older. What does this do for Dalvin Cook? And, and more importantly, what does this do for Brees Hall? Because he has been activated from the pup list 10 months after tearing his ACL. So, I mean, what what is your guys' opinions for, for fantasy football output for both these guys? Just just makes this offense harder to predict. I mean, there's there's just so much confusion in this offense with all the weapons that they have. And we don't even know if Aaron Rodgers is good enough to facilitate all those weapons at this point in time. So there are questions on questions on questions. I expect the Jets to be a good football team. Their schedule is very, very tough, which means that's difficult for fantasy output. Uh, And as far as the backfield goes, um, the way I see it, Brees Hall, I I don't really see this as a hit on Brees Hall because we didn't know how much he was going to play or how effective he was going to be this year anyway, coming off of that injury. Uh, It's only a one-year deal. So if you're in a dynasty league, I'm still valuing Brees Hall pretty high with the understanding that this year is going to be kind of up in the air. But again, that's the case with almost everybody on this offense. Yeah, same same feelings here. Matt, you're kind of alluding to it, but there are so many new pieces to this Jets offense. Like, I don't even know, like, obviously Dalvin hasn't been there to gel. Brees hasn't, you know, he's still coming back. He's recovering. There's a lot of question marks. And the biggest question mark overall, which you'd want with this collection of people is their offensive line. Like their offensive line wasn't fantastic last year at all. And that's what is going to 
that's what it's going to take to make this thing work. And if Rogers doesn't have time, if they're not going to be able to hold that line of scrimmage, like I, I don't know, uh, specifically for Dalvin and Brees, like, I don't know. You, you look back on history and whenever teams sign big name running backs to like one year deals, like it's kind of hit and miss. Like you're, it's never a plug and play, like you're playing Xbox or something like that. So it's, it's a wait and see game. I think there's a lot of cautious optimism across the board, but that O-line has to be good. They have to gel quickly. And we alluded to their first like four games that they have coming right out of the gate. And they're not easy. Like they don't get time to warm up. They're not getting like a directional school from college. They have to get right away with the bills. So interesting. I think cautious optimism, it, it could add value overall to the offense and then obviously take away from Brees. Have you guys watched the Jets hard knocks yet? I have not. It's on my to-do list, and I, I'm going to start delving into it tomorrow. I'm, I'm pretty excited. I've seen clips here and there, um, but I, I have not, unfortunately, been able to watch well, the show. I, so I've watched both of them so far, and I will say that the the impression that you get from the second episode is Salah is just kissing the feet of Aaron Rodgers. Like, mm. it's 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 going to be interesting to see how this dynamic plays out because uh, you know, you almost get the impression that Salah is deferring to Aaron Rodgers for play calls and making calls on the field, which is true to an extent with every quarterback, but it almost makes you concerned that they're like, okay, Aaron Rodgers, please fix this for us. And we're just going to let you do what you do. And just hopefully it works out. I mean, the jets, we saw the jets last year, right? We saw the Mike white show and the Joe Flacco and the Zach Wilson and the jets offense was not terrible. The one piece that they really needed was a competent quarterback. And, and if right. Aaron Rodgers can, can hold true to what I think a lot of the, the jets organization are hoping that he can, they're going to be pretty good on offense. I think, you know, and I'm, I don't want to sit here and compare him because I don't know if it's a fair comparison, but look at like Peyton Manning. Like when Peyton Manning went to the Broncos and won the, the championship yeah. there, you can't tell yeah. me that that it was not a very similar dynamic in that way. Because when you have somebody at the level like Peyton Manning or even Aaron Rodgers at, they know what they're doing. They know what they want to do. They know the offense that they want to run. They want uh, their receivers to run it this way. They want to call this play at this time because this is what they feel is the most successful for them. So I'm sure, yeah, a little bit probably is going to happen in that way. Um, I haven't got to to watch so it, true. so I, I can't comment wholeheartedly on it. But that's that's just how I feel at the onslaught of, of talking about this. Slaps, you're, you're absolutely right. I didn't even really put that together. And you got to remember, Peyton Manning had like a serious neck injury too going to the Broncos. So even he had a ton of question marks, but you hope the Hall of Fameness of, of their resume kind of carries through. I did get a quick question from the stream. It was anonymous, but it said, would you trade Brees Hall and Kirk Cousins uh, for a second round pick? <laughs> Probably for a first, yeah. If Kirk Cousins in a first maybe for Brees Hall. I think I would do that. Um, (laughs) uh, as far as here's my, here's my thing. Like I, I didn't really get to weigh in on the whole cook hall thing. Um, I don't expect Brees Hall to be great this year. I really don't. And, and I am not drafting Brees Hall at his, I don't know what his current ADP is now that Dalvin cooks there. I'm not expecting Brees Hall to be anything wonderful because we see that when these running backs come from a major leg injury, like an ACL tear, Typically, it takes them like a year to get good. Look at what happened with J.K. Dobbins. Like, J.K. Dobbins was okay towards the end of the year, but it took him a while to get warmed up. He still had a nagging injury. That's kind of where I'm viewing Hall at. Hall's not going to be a week one starter. And I think this signing really kind of signifies that Dalvin Cook's going to be around for this year. Now, 
in years to come, Brees Hall is young. He was very talented before he got hurt. I do expect him to still be pretty dominant, but I, I don't I don't expect it to be this year. So if I was a betting man, I think Dalvin Cook has a better fantasy finish than Brees Hall does this upcoming season because I just don't see Hall. And, and I could be wrong, but I don't really see Hall coming back and looking like he did 100% before he tore his ACL. Well, and not to mention, I mean, we, we already kind of stated it, but just given their schedule, I mean, the, the running backs in any offense that are either going against high-powered offenses or high-powered defenses, which it seems like every matchup that the Jets have either have a high-powered offense or high-powered defense, neither of those things bode well for running backs because they're either going to have to pass the ball a lot or they're going to have to fight through a really tough front four or a, a tough box. So, you know, even in the best-case scenario, you kind of have to expect these guys to struggle a little bit. Um, with that said, you know, I'm still happy to take Brees Hall, especially in dynasty leagues. Um, but, you know, depending on what his ADP is falling to after the signing, that's obviously going to dictate it a lot. Yeah. Um, other veteran running back signing, of course, is Zeke. The man who eats and eats and eventually plays center for the Cowboys has now found a new home with the Patriots. So he signed a one-year do- one year deal worth up to $6 million dollars. This one to me, I think, is actually a little bit more interesting because, as I've mentioned, I, I didn't, I don't see Brees Hall really. I think he'll play, but not to the level that a lot of people are expecting him to this this year. But I think this really actually kind of does affect Ramondre pretty significantly. You know, Brees's Brees Hall's ADP was not like a second rounder this year because of his injury and him coming back. So, but Ramondre was he was a pretty sought after running back, and I think this certainly muddies up that backfield. What are your guys' opinions on on uh, Zeke going to the Patriots? He's fat. I'm not worried about him. <laughs> uh, I don't think he's going to do much, just like he didn't do much with the Cowboys, who probably had an even better sur- you know, surrounding cast to like free him up to do what he needed to do. So they still have Mac Jones as a quarterback, which still don't think he's the answer there. I think they're just holding on for dear life, and then that's kind of it. So I don't think there's much to take away from on that offense. I think there's just kind of a lot and he's fat. And I don't think, I still think it's Ramondre. <laughs> well, as far as Ramondre is concerned, Zeke was the best option as far as the veteran running backs that were on the table. Um, because, you know, we, we all know what Zeke is at this point, but the flip side to that coin is Zeke coming in with no expectations. And I think he's going to exceed those expectations because we're used to seeing him as a bell cow, right? We were, we were seeing him in Dallas basically get all of the carries and we were mad at him for taking them away from Tony Pollard. If he comes in as a supplementary role and has a chance to, you know, rest on the sideline in between carries and these sorts of things, I think he could be a lot more efficient than what we've seen with him recently. But with that said, you know, the, the rule of thumb for fantasy managers has always been don't draft anyone on the Patriots post Tom Brady era and Ramondre was kind of the outlier but with the signing of Zeke I think it kind of falls back on you know I would take Ramondre but I'm not taking him in the second round you know if people fade him enough then I'll take him but there's no way I'm paying up to get this guy because I do think he's going to miss out on some touches and the Patriots have said basically outright over and over again that they don't want Ramondre to have that big workload they didn't like the fact that he had that big workload last year which is why it was so clear that they were trying to sign another guy so I don't think that it's going to be you know Ramondre is going to be usable but he's not going to be usable for a second round pick do you think that you could maybe compare this to when it was Ramondre and Damian Harris in a split backfield like do you do you think that could be a similar workload that we're going to see between these two this upcoming season yeah, I I do, and and Ramondre still performed. It's just he's he's not going to perform to the degree that we all hoped he would in this off season when he was the only one back there. Sure. 
Um, Alan, anything to add before we move on to our, our next? No, I, I think in the text, Matt and I had it pretty much locked up. This is the best case scenario. If you own Ramondre Stevenson, like, yes, it's going to eat into the pie a little bit. And we all know Zeke loves to eat pie. So, but it's not going to be as much as you think. Yeah. Uh, Titans wide receiver, Traylon Burks, second year wide receiver for the Titans. He left the field on Wednesday with the help of trainers who were, quote, holding his left knee, according to Turon Davenport with ESPN. Titans reporter Paul Kurharski added that Burks was putting no weight on the leg as he got onto a cart to leave the sidelines and was holding his upper calf. Not a good look. We don't really have any sort of news as to what that could be at this time, but no injury is a good injury. And if he can't walk on it, um, I think they're going to be tread very cautiously with him if uh, if he has not hurt anything. And I don't expect to see him until the start of the regular season at best. So unfortunate news. But I think if anything, this kind of helps solidify DeAndre Hopkins and his um, his current ADP. I love where he's currently being drafted at. And I think Hop is a huge value for the Titans. So. Let's talk about this next part. I'm very excited to talk about this gentleman. <laughs> I, I, uh, we have a very good friend of ours who um, is very good friends with Trey Lance. So I uh, was talking with him about it. I want to talk to you guys about it. Let's do it. Let's talk about Trey Lance. So for those who did not get the opportunity to watch the 49ers preseason game this last week, Trey Lance started for the first half of the game. The stat line for Trey Lance was 10 for 15. 112 yards and a touchdown. Not bad with the stat line. But if you saw the game and you saw what was going on, it was not a beautiful look for Trey Lance. In fact, his touchdown that he threw was not intended for uh, the target that he threw it to. It, it it was bobbled out of a defensive back's hands and into the hands of a tight end, So, which was not his original target. Did you guys get the opportunity to watch this game? I got to ask. Okay. I watched, so, uh, I watched some highlights of a bit specifically Trey. Yeah, and that was really what I wanted to see. And then I did watch the the following second half. Sam Darnold came out there. Sam Darnold looked better. He didn't look bad compared. Like, no. If you put the two side by side, you'd be like, this guy is ahead of this guy. Yeah. Well, and here, here's the thing about this quarterback room. I think that there are some people who are saying that Sam Darnold might end up playing the most games out of all three of these guys. And the reason for that is Brock Purdy obviously came out and lit the league on fire, but he only played against subpar defenses. You know, they played down the stretch, and then during their one matchup with the Dallas Cowboys, he kind of sucked, and then obviously he got injured. So we haven't really seen him be really tested yet, and the same thing is true with Trey Lance. Right? He didn't play basically at all in college. He gets drafted, he plays one game in the downpour against Chicago, and then he gets hurt the next game. So we have he, neither of these guys – we haven't really seen them tested yet. And we know that this offense only needs a semi-competent quarterback in order to function really, really well. And Sam Darnold is the one person back there that we know is capable of being a semi-competent quarterback. So I think they're going to come out with Purdy, but there's a chance that maybe, okay, he comes out and he's not as good as we all want to remember. And then I think their next guy is going to be Sam Darnold just because Trey Lance hasn't had a chance to prove himself. He hasn't had a chance to actually get right with the NFL system. And I I think there, well, there's a chance that those rumors could be true. I don't want to sit here and defend Sam Darnold because I don't think he's great. I we've seen we've seen the Sam Darnold experiment with the Jets and then we've seen it with Carolina. And if you want to sit there and he's make never the argument on a good team. No, I and that's what I was gonna he's say. If you want to make the argument that he hasn't played for a good team, I will give you a little grace. 
but I, I still don't think Sam Darnold's great. Um, I saw something on Twitter that was just kind of interesting, and I, I think our, our Leather Brains account even retweeted it here. Um, but it was, <laughs> I, I, and I'm not saying it's real. I'm not saying it holds any factual context, but um, it said, if Trey Lance had played well in that preseason game, fans would want him to start week one. Kyle Shanahan can't let that happen, so he called a bunch of passes, not the typical 49ers offense. So it got me thinking a little bit. I, I'm not saying I, I buy into that that at all, but you you think about it and you look at it. If they would have ran a typical 49ers offense and Trey Lance looked really great, then there creates a lot of a lot of drama and controversy in that quarterback room. Like, and if you really wanted to start Trey Lance, I think a lot of 49ers fans would be extremely upset because they want Brock Purdy to have a shot. You know what I mean? Like he did end the season on a pretty good note. So maybe put Brock Purdy in there, see him fail if he or, or succeed. But if you expect Brock Purdy to fail, you let him go in there and fail. So then when you put Trey Lance in, if you put Trey Lance in, then you don't have the entire fan base coming to burn your house. Thoughts? I don't know. Are you I, buying that narrative? I think you definitely want to see Trey Lance succeed because worst case scenario, you have a competitive competition going on for the quarterback position and best case scenario you have trade bait and at this point i think they've been considering that because they know that you know they've i i don't think they're they're going to take any chances with trading away quarterbacks uh this season after after what they went through last season sure. but ultimately they want value in the players that they have so i don't think they're going to intentionally set them up to fail by any means uh but i do think you know at this point it's they've made it very clear brock Purdy's going to start the season and he's going to sink or swim and whatever happens after that is a mystery yeah, I think if you're that coaching staff, you have to go that way. Uh, you have to give it to Brock. I think that the <clears throat> whether you want to admit it or not, the fan base kind of works like the stock market. Like you have to kind of appease your your stock your stockholders, your shareholders, yeah. you know, and you you gotta you gotta give them what they want. And that I don't think Trey is what they want. And I have I have a nugget here when we're ready to move forward that will help kind of no frame go ahead where we're yeah. at. So in uh if you listen if you happen to listen last week you know i pulled some lists off of x.com or twitter.com i think we're just going to go with x.com i was like what is you said that and i'm like what is x.com is that like a place you get polls at because i keep forgetting yeah. that it's twitter now mm -hmm. i'm just going to call it x.com so it seems really mysterious um but i site. came across <laughs> i came across this tweet and i thought it was pretty interesting just from the sheer fact of like I hadn't considered that, but I want to, I'm going to display the whole tweet and I'm just going to read one snippet from it, but I want your guys' reaction to this. Um, this is from uh, Sam Monson. He's from Pro Fantasy Focus. Let me see if it pulls up. Do we got it? We got it. Perfect. Yes. The nugget I want to pull from this is that in his entire football career, Trey Lance has fewer pass attempts than Geno Smith had just last season. So if you look at the body of work that Trey Lance has put together for his football career, he has not passed it a lot. He just doesn't have enough like miles on him to say one way or the other. So I read this tweet and I took it one way, but I could see you taking it positive or negative. So under so with this little nugget of of data what does this say to you guys? Like, what's your opinion of like, where do they go? Like if you were the GM, what do you do knowing what you know with this piece of information? 
it's a really tough situation for him. And to be honest with you, that's that's exactly how I read this. And it, this, to me, doesn't necessarily change my thought process towards Trey Lance at all. The, the problem for most everyone in that is a 49ers fan or that organization in general is the fact that they traded up and spent three first-round picks to get him. That's the problem. And, and that's that is the elephant in the room that is the narrative that is Trey Lance. If they would have got Trey Lance as a third round pick, we would not be sitting here having this conversation, period. So the fact that they spent so much on him because they were in that, that right there says that they're invested in him, that he is their future guy that they want to build around. There's no way you do that trade if that's not the case. So that's the narrative that is Trey Lance. And then the, a, a new narrative was spun because they found out that Mr. Irrelevant is actually somewhat pretty fucking relevant. So you have Brock Purdy to come in, and he's actually playing very well for you. I re And the other thing that I think about is you're absolutely right. This tweet is absolutely correct. I watched Trey Lance throw the ball, and it did not look pretty. <laughs> there was ducks everywhere. Now, you can make an argument that he didn't have enough time to play. He didn't have enough time to throw the ball. You can make the argument that he was playing with a second-string team, so he didn't have all the starters out there and the, the actual offensive weapons that he could potentially have. All valid arguments. But at the end of the day, I watched that game and I was like, Trey, he looks very flustered. Right. He looks like he's not making the reads. He's not throwing the ball very well. He had a couple decent plays. There was one in which I was like, damn, that looks like Patrick Mahomes. He rolled out. He jumped up, threw a cross body and hit his, I think it was his running back in stride as he was running, streaking down the field. And I was like, damn, that was actually pretty good. But then there's other times where I'm like, he's, he is hopping around in the pocket and throws a duck. So he, he does need time. And I think that's where we need to see if he can develop into something worth something. But mm -hmm. the problem is, is we've seen, we've now seen Brock Purdy do what he's done. And I think that a lot of people are writing Trey Lance off and saying, well, Brock Purdy's already doing it, you know? So if Purdy came out and sucked ass, it'd be no competition. It'd be Trey Lance. But because Purdy came out and did decently well, now all of this extra conversation is happening because Purdy has shown that he can get it done to a certain level. Yeah, I mean... Hunter said, and he's correct, that we're only really having this conversation because of the draft capital, but I think the bigger reason we're having this conversation is just Brock Purdy. Even if Brock Purdy came out and, you know, didn't completely exceed expectations, you know, he, he wasn't as good as he was, but he wasn't terrible. Even if that were the case, they're still rolling with Trey Lance as the starter, no questions asked. But because Brock Purdy came out and saw all those wins, that's the only reason we're having this conversation. So the only thing they can do is start Brock Purdy and let him sink or swim. And they have Trey Lance to fall back on. And I personally think that any one of these three guys would be successful as the 49ers quarterback because we saw Jimmy Garoppolo be successful with the, 40, or with the 49ers. And so there's, there's no reason to think that any of these guys wouldn't be sufficient. But Trey Lance might not get an opportunity. If Brock Purdy comes out and is as good as Jimmy Garoppolo was, that's pretty much all he needs to do. Yeah, and I think in this thread, and what's interesting is the, the – the point of this all is he's just not going to get the time, the valuable time and reps he needs to show progress, you know? And I think not throwing the ball like your entire career is, is evident in what, you know, slaps was saying. And one of the other points that's brought up here is like, if this can't happen, but Trey Lance would be a prime candidate. If the NFL had like a triple A, triple A league, like oh. send him down, let him get some reps. Like they don't have that. Like, and I think that's kind of where Trey's career is going to have to go for a bit. And we've seen guys drop down to like lower levels, like, um, and, and 
get the reps they need and maybe come back and come back as a backup. But I just, I think the writing's on the wall for him more or less. And I don't think he's just, I just don't think they have time. The NFL doesn't have time to wait for him to develop. And I think that's where we're at on this. And that's, that's the unfortunate thing is it's now year three for Trey Lance, right? So first year he set behind Garoppolo, he was slated to start last year towards ACL. And here we are in year three and he's still effectively a rookie quarterback in a lot of ways, which is unfortunate for him and unfortunate for his his potential yeah. future in the NFL. Yeah. And I'm sure as the season plays out, we'll get more and more into it. Um, with, with how this team plays out and injuries permitting, we might see more of Trey. So we'll have to see. Um, are you guys good on this one? I do have yeah, a couple other on. topics that I'm Let's pulling go. off of the Twitterverse. So the other one is something we don't really get into um, too much because we can't really predict it. And it's really um, honestly kind of the weather. And, this one is a tweet I saw from Dave Ridge. Um, shout out Dave. Uh, but this is the highlight is this the Lions only play five games outdoors next year. <laughs> We're Lions Which is now. kind of interesting. So I have two questions for you boys based on this tweet. So they have week one, week four, week six, week seven, and week fourteen that are actually played outside. And week fourteen against at you know at Chicago is the only one that has like the potential to be shit weather yeah midwest freaking cold <laughs> in week 14 but everything else just looks kind of juicy yeah so for even detroit lions fans like shout out you're not gonna have to be outside a ton you know in cold like you get it but even for that offense right like i think one of the things that we consider week to week as fantasy owners is you kind of and i know a lot of apps have what's the weather going to be like you very famously last year with buffalo like what's the snow going to do you know yeah. you 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 look ahead when you're looking at matchups and so first question is kind of like your thoughts with the Lions getting this very favorable, quote unquote, weather schedule. And then two, just kind of like your philosophy, the two of you for the for people listening, like navigating weather. Like, do you put much stock in it? Is there certain things you look for? Is it don't really care unless it's super windy? Like, what are your boys thoughts? I'll, I'll jump in on this. I, I think for for me, um, it's more of a game day decision thing. Like I'm not basing my draft strategy around weather, no. obviously, but like when it comes to the weather on the day of the game, I'm cognizant of it. And in fact, Scotty and I last season, we did a couple um, and we might do it again this year, you know, an hour before kickoff, Scotty and I would go on Twitter uh, was circles and mm, um, spaces, spaces, excuse me. And we would just hash it out. And if people had questions about starting their lineups, we'd go over each game very quickly and then help people set their lineups if they had any questions. But one of the things that we're going over is what's the weather like? Because like you mentioned, that game with with uh, Buffalo and the giant snowstorm, I don't want to I don't want to play a receiver in that, right? Like if I had to choose between Gabe Davis as my wide receiver 3 or Darnell Mooney, like I'd probably choose Mooney in that regard because while they're both not great, is Gabe Davis going to get a target? Is he going to actually catch it or drop it because he's already got icicles for hands? And number 3, is he going to be able to get the ball thrown to him because there's there's snow? So uh, yeah, I, I take some stock in it. I don't let it be an end all be all. Of course, but because you're going to play your players that are really, really good players. But like when it comes to flex or or those other, you know, your wide receiver twos, running back twos and stuff like that, it certainly impacts me a little bit. Yeah, I mean, it's a it's a decision maker. So if you're struggling between two players that you view pretty similarly and one of them's going to play in a monsoon and the other one's playing in a dome, then it's clear. Yeah. Right. So it's just kind of an extra factor that you can use as far as the Lions go. Um, Say something nice. I, 
kind of a hot take here. I actually think that this doesn't really benefit them because the Lions are only one of a handful of teams that would have the advantage playing in bad weather uh, because they're used to it. They're from Detroit, right? They get that bad weather all the time. They practice in that bad weather. And, you know, you can look at Green Bay or you can look at the Jets or the Bills and those guys, you'd say the same thing. If they're playing Tampa Bay in the snow, the Lions are going to have the advantage. So the more games that they are in a dome, it evens the playing field. I think it takes away a bit of that advantage that they might have I depending mean, on the matchup. The Lions are in a dome. Yeah, that's true. They're still <laughs> used to it. They live in Detroit. <laughs> yeah, he, didn't but say some, are... he didn't say something mean about the Lions, so I'm no, going to take I, it as a victory. Those, those players are from all over, too. Like, you got to remember, not everybody on the Lions is from Michigan. Uh, I think yeah, it's the, interesting. The Lions I... playing in a dome really screws my argument there. That's a good yeah. point. <laughs> I think I think what you're I think this is a mental note for anybody listening to the show. If you are nervous if weather becomes a factor for a player and you happen to be holding on to a lion, like just know that they're probably gonna be just fine. Yeah, they're gonna okay. be fine. They're gonna be fine. Um well cool. Yeah. Well definitely. That is a really interesting little thing though to bring up. Not that I I'm bearing any weight with it for fantasy, but it, it it's weird. It just tells me that the Lions are uh for sure locked for the playoffs. Yeah, they might. Yeah, playoff bound, except for week one. Uh, next, eh, we'll see. next topic. <laughs> moving on, and certainly for um, the Brainiacs moving into the season, like you know, I know we do a lot of live stuff. Like this is definitely something to consider when you're setting your lineups too, um, for sure. Last little piece of uh, oops, uh, tweetage to have here from Matt Okada. He had nine breakout fantasy candidates for 2023. Um, I don't know why he settled on nine. Maybe he couldn't think of a tenth. Maybe I don't know. Maybe he ran out of room on Twitter. Maybe he got, I'm going to say he got, he ran out of room. So I picked this tweet for a couple reasons. One, I wanted slaps to have to say number four on this list. And two, (laughs) I I wanted, (laughs) I wanted each of you to pick like one that's most likely to break out off this list. And then one you think that like, "Mm, maybe not, maybe shouldn't be on this list. I think Matt Okada, the, the writer of this list pretty much took all of the players that I'm really high on for breakout seasons and put them on here. So I completely agree with every act. Like, we've talked about every one of these. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, and I, I couldn't agree more. I mean, number one, and I'll just read the list so everybody who is listening and cannot see the tweet can very uh, very clearly know what we're talking about. Number one, Saints wide receiver Chris Olave. Then we have running back. And I'm just going to go down the list. I'm not going to say yep. two, three, four. Uh, Alexander Madison. Then we got Jerry Judy, number four. Get ready. <gasps> Buckle up if you guys are not. Chigazim Okonkwo. Yeah. Let's go, baby. Nailed it. Uh, number five, Jameer Gibbs, Elijah Moore, Greg Dulcich, Tua Tagovailoa, and number nine, James Cook. Scotty, what? Uh, let me. Add, I'll, I'll I'll pass the ball to you. Which one is the one that you're most excited about, and the one that you think is is going to have the biggest or the potential for the biggest breakout this season? Um, I think in light of the recent injury, uh, Chigazi Makakwo is in line to have a great season. When he was on the field last year, um, he was splitting time. But when he was actually on the field, he was as efficient with his receptions as Travis Kelsey. He is the real deal. Uh, and now he's the tight end one in this offense and possibly the second or third target uh, for every passing down. So I think he is the real deal. I think he's going to have a really good shot to blow a lot of tight ends out of the water. I've been targeting him a lot in my drafts. You're not getting Kyle Pitts? Well, I like Kyle Pitts, too. Well, Alan, what, what about you, Alan? Uh, one for me breakout that I'm very high on is Alexander Madison. Um, 
I loved him and then he was like the famous handcuff, like probably one of the more famous handcuffs through the last like three years. I feel like for fantasy football, if you had if somebody had Dalvin Cook, you just stashed Madison because you're like, he's going to be no doubt. We know Dalvin's (laughs) going down. I think Madison's more than capable. I also think it's the style of play the Vikings like to run like they like to establish that line of scrimmage. I like the way Madison runs. I think he has a potential. I think, you know, he could have definitely been been a been a starter um but definitely when you have somebody like dalvin cook i think for me that's the one that i'm probably like most high on out of this list they're all really good but for me that's probably where i where i put it in my only fear with alexander madison is that another running back's gonna sign there playoff lenny and kareem hunt are still uh they're still free agents and i'm not saying it's gonna happen but that would be my biggest fear for madison stock values if one of those guys enters the picture um, I'm also concerned with Madison being able to hold the workload. He's never had to do that for long periods of time. He's had stretches and he's been fine, but he hasn't been overly efficient during those stretches. It's just when you're playing Alexander Madison, it's because he's the only running back in the system. So Exactly. Yeah, that that and I get that. For me, I'm just going to be honest with you guys. James Cook. I think James Cook, I think this is I'm very excited for him. He's him and, and Elijah Moore, the two that really stand out for me on this list. And I, I just bring up Elijah Moore because his ADP is so trash um, comparative to what I think he could offer for this team. Very obviously, Amari Cooper is the wide receiver one, but Elijah Moore is going very late. And I, I truly do believe he is going to be the wide receiver two for this team and could provide weekly wide receiver one upside uh, for spike weeks if Deshaun Watson gets back to Deshaun Watson of of old the other one like I said James Cook he's the one that speaks out to me on this list he's another one of those guys I'm definitely trying to target in my my redraft leagues because his ADP is so much lower than some of these other running backs he's going to be a lead bell cow for this team he's going to have PPR value because he's they're working him into three wide or in all three downs and he, they're working him in in the passing game and that's what the bills have wanted that's what the Bills have stated they've wanted for years now. They've been looking for that guy. James Cook was a rookie last year. We started to see him get involved towards the end of the year, and they've come out and said he is going to be our guy. So comparative to where his ADP is, obviously this team goes through Josh Allen, but to get James Cook where you're getting him at as a serviceable and usable running back, I I love that for him. So uh, sign me up on the James Cook train. Yeah, I agree. And, to, and kind of wrap this up, I think these you're absolutely right. These are all guys that we've talked about. <laughs> in various yeah, episodes yeah. leading this leading up to this so if you're listening or watching live like you're picking in in the, some of the mid to middle rounds later rounds like these are definitely guys you want to have circle because there is tremendous value there especially if people are reaching for you know household names um for sure. yeah appreciate you boys walking with me through the twitterverse those no. are some of the tweets i've had over this last week I, I appreciate you bringing them because I think it's it's fun, it's different, and it, it certainly brings some some perspective to some of the things that we discuss on a weekly basis. So uh, let's get down to business here and talk about some uh, some running backs and uh, where the tier breaks are for them and maybe where people should be drafting them at in their upcoming drafts. Let's get down, let's get down to business. It's been a while since I used that one. Uh, mm-hmm. Tier one running backs. Okay, so you both have kind of provided some lists to me. I, uh, I, I let's just talk about it. So, in tier one, Alan, you don't have a lot of running backs in here. You have your two running backs are CMC and Austin Eckler. Scotty, you have both of those as well as Nick Chubb, Bajan, and Saquon. I really like how those just kind of Saquon. rolled off the tongue. Uh, <laughs> so you've got you've got a couple more. Uh, let me let me ask you this. Obviously, I don't think it's really. I don't think we need to spend a whole lot of time on CMC or Austin Eckler. Nobody here is going to argue the fact that they're both the two most sought after running backs in this upcoming draft. 
Nick Chubb, I find to be a little interesting, Scotty, and I don't hate that pick. But why don't you why don't you give a little bit of uh, thought as to why Nick Chubb made your your top running backs list? Yeah, I mean, Nick Chubb is one of the most consistent running backs that we've seen in fantasy football over the last several years. Um, and on top of that, we all expect this offense to take a step forward because with Deshaun Watson and all his rust, um, they really struggled and they've only got up to go. I think Nick Chubb is going to benefit from that. He's been nothing but consistent and he's a beast. So I actually think people are valued. You know, people, if you look at a lot of rankings, you're going to see Saquon, you're going to see Bajan above Nick Chubb. I think Nick Chubb is the much safer option there. And I think he's going to have quite the ceiling this season if uh, the Browns end up scoring a lot of touchdowns and getting in scoring position a lot. So I think Nick Chubb is a, a very safe place to go. And if you're in half PPR leagues, he's going to get you a 15 to 16 P- or half PPR points a game which is all you can ask for in your running back position. You'd rather would you rather have Nick Chubb over Saquon? Uh depends on if I'm in a half PPR league, I I view them I view all these tier 1 guys as pretty equal. Uh in a okay. PPR league, I'd rather have uh Saquon. Okay. Uh Alan, in tier 2, we find that you have Derrick Henry, Saquon Barkley, Bijan and Nick Chubb. So, you view Nick Chubb, Bijan and Saquon I'm just going to keep doing that every time, every chance I get. Um, you view them a little bit differently than Scotty here. So you have them in tier two. Why do you have them in tier two compared to where Scotty has them in tier one? Yeah, I think it's some context too for how I put this list together. I was also, I, I mean, I put this for a few reasons. One, obviously there's some PPR implications to this list, but also there's just some like draft strategy to this list. So like if I'm picking in the first round, my tier one are guys like I'm taking first round. My tier two are guys I'm taking second round you know, if they fall to me, you know, towards the end of that second round and so on and so forth. So my tiers are kind of also representation of where I'm like looking to take guys if they're there. So in that second round, like through that lens, like Derek Henry, Saquon, Bajan and Chubb, I look at like when I'm drafting players, I also look at like frequency they could get the ball, like how like how centered is that offense around them? And that tier one, that's like running and passing. Those two guys are going to get the ball. And that tier two, they could be running and passing, but not as much as my tier one guys that I'd love to get from a PPR standpoint, but they are going to get the ball a lot. So you're like at your likelihood of touchdown, your likelihood of big, big gain goes up. And I view those four kind of just in the same boat for that reason, just of they're going to see a lot of work on that offense. They may only see it in certain ways. And Bajan kind of the, it, it's kind of a toss up. You could put him in tier one if you really think he's going to get the ball a lot through the air but it's just with the unknown. He stayed in that tier two. So you have him in tier two. Scotty, you have Bajan in tier one. Let me ask you this. I mean, very obviously you both have him pretty highly rated. Do you think there might be some, some overrated rankings for Bajan? Like, do you think he's a little overrated at this point? Just because we haven't seen this kid play any NFL football. We presume that he's going to be good because he went to the Falcons, who were the most run-heavy team in the NFL last season. We presume he's going to be good because of his draft capital. Is there not some risk involved with drafting Bajan in the the middle to late of the first round? Yeah, so um, when you're talking about drafting a rookie, you always have that hanging over your head where you're you're betting on the talent that you've seen against far inferior defenses uh, as they came up through college. 
Uh, so you always have that. The thing that makes Bajan a tier one running back for me is that you insulate that risk with the fact that he is going to get tremendous volume. Even if this is a relatively split backfield, this team runs the ball more than any other team in the league. So even if he's not as efficient as we would like, or it takes him a little bit to get in lockstep with the other NFL players on the field, he's going to have the chance to put up fantasy points, which is more than you can say for a lot of running backs. So that's why I think it's safe to keep him in that tier one category. And just because Allen kind of gave a little bit of background is how his tier system is set up. Mine isn't set up by rounds. Mine is more set up um, outside of my draft strategy. So just because they're a tier one running back doesn't mean I'm taking them in the first round. I'm looking to stock receivers uh, as much as I can. So this, these running backs are running backs that I'm comfortable taking uh, if the receivers that I want in that position aren't on the board. So that's kind of how I tiered them. Um, there is some breaking news here. Uh, Traylon Burks, we talked about him just a moment ago. Um, he is expected to miss a few weeks with a sprained LCL. I don't know the body, but I'm assuming it's a leg. That's the, most important, leg. that's the most that's the important name. of the CLs. Of oh all the CLs gosh. you have in your body. No, I don't know. The uh, legal CL. Yeah, yeah I, don't, I don't know. But I don't know. I'm not familiar with an LCL. I, I, very obviously, it's a leg injury. Um, sprained, not torn. That's good news. That is good news for all Traylon Burks uh, owners or potential owners. Uh, better than a tear. So yeah. uh, back to the running back conversation. So I, I appreciate your insight there, Scotty, as far as how you were drafting them uh, or tiering them, rather. Let's go to tier two. You know, we, we gave Allen's tier two. Scotty, in tier two, you have Derrick Henry, Jonathan Taylor, Tony Pollard and Josh Jacobs. Now, Alan, the only person you have in tier two that that Scotty does as well is Derrick Henry. So <laughs> Derrick Henry's getting older. I mean, I, I don't think anybody here yeah. is going to gawk at the fact that the wheels have to fall off Derrick Henry at some point. Like they, they Derrick Henry is not going to be in the league forever. He's been very, very dominant. I was a, a big hater of Derrick Henry last year. Shame on me. Shot me in the foot. And he's here again. And I still don't want to touch him. So uh, what is your thoughts on Derrick Henry in an offense that has predominantly in the past been very Derrick Henry heavy with an, an aging Derrick Henry and uh, as well as an O-line? Yeah. Um, Derrick Henry is not built like me and you. He is a superhuman. And yeah, until man. he gives me reason to not trust no. him, I am going to that trust him. That was a little because... stab in the back, but okay. I know I threw me in there too, but he's no, not. I think you did not, to save yourself. It was kind of yeah, like Jim Irsay did like to you. John That's Taylor, but it's fine. <laughs> but uh, ultimately, you know, Derrick Henry is not the first running back I'm looking to grab. But if he falls to the right place, I'm happy to take him because as long as he stays healthy, he's going to see the volume. He's going to be, you know, he has he's, his efficiency has fallen off a little bit over the last couple of years, but not enough that you're concerned about him falling off the cliff just yet. He's so got I think to at his, some point. Yeah, his, his biggest concern right now is just his age and the fat factoring in injuries. Um, and obviously, we saw that a little bit last season. But ultimately, if he stays on the field, he is going to be perfectly usable. And I'm still excited to have him on my team. Yeah, I think for me, uh, Derrick Henry is almost kind of like we need to get a, a group of or get a list together of guys like him, like Travis Kelsey, where it's like they're really good, but they're getting old. Like, is this the year that you're going to be get? you know, you're going to be stuck holding the bag of a guy that's falling apart and you don't want to be that guy, but you also don't want to be the guy that's like watching him rip like 80 yard runs for touchdowns. You're like, God oh, damn it. If I just would have grabbed him. You, yeah. you don't so want to be think... the hunter of last year where you talk shit on him all year and then he comes out and dominates. <laughs> I skipped on Christian McCaffrey last year <laughs> Yeah, and I drafted, I think Joe Mixon in, in his place. And that was a terrible decision. Um, yeah. I, Derek Henry scares me. He will scare me for the rest of his career. 
Um, it's something I'm working through personal stuff. It just kind of scares me. So, um, but let's talk about John Taylor and Josh Jacobs because you both have them. Alan, as I mentioned, you have them both in tier three. You have in parentheses, if JT is starting, I think that's more than fair, but comparative to where their ADP is at, Josh Jacobs still has not reported to camp. He stated he's fine doing whatever the hell he's doing, not with the Raiders and John Taylor, we do expect him to play. So what are our thoughts on both those guys? I mean, especially Josh Jacobs, I guess we'll start with him. Josh Jacobs, is is he a risk to draft this upcoming year with the chance that he might not actually freaking play? Yeah, I think both of them are are, are kind of looked in that same, that same lens of what am I going to get? And that's where they sat in that tier three for me, because if they're there, this is tremendous value for you if they end up showing up and produce, you know, at a fraction of, you know, what they what their potential is, like what we've seen them output. I think also as we go through this exercise of running back tiers, I think this just keeps reiterating of like how shallow this pool is of like oh yeah tier like once you get past a certain level or like maybe the top two guys everything after that you're like eh uh eh, like I don't know who fucking I don't and Which I think I- this is a representation of the tier within the tier of like of the shallow pool. This is a middling kind of middle range of players where you're like, you know, I, I got to take a risk. And I think as you're drafting or as you're shaping your team or you're going through a redraft is if you missed out early and you're having to sink your teeth into one of these guys, you have to stomach the fact that they might not be there week one, two, three, or might not be ready or these are just that kind of grouping of guys for me that kind of that represent that risk reward boomer bust type feel. Which I think for me, as I was going to say just a moment ago, I think that makes me even more interested in drafting wide receivers uh, earlier than these running backs. Because if you don't hit on one of these running backs, and as we get down in the tiers, I'll talk about it more, but I think there's plenty of other running backs that could suffice for you. Are they going to see the same volume and, and fantasy football output as Christian McCaffrey or Eckler? Absolutely not. But I still think they'll be usable enough to get you by. And if you got to draft Jalen Waddle, Mark Andrews, and Jamar Chase on your team, I think that would certainly suffice the fantasy football point differential that you might lose in the running back position. So um, John Taylor, I mean, we we know the story. We know what's going on. We've talked about it. I think he's going to play. I think he is. And and what I, I guess my, my main question, and I'm going to ask you this, Alan, you have John Taylor in a tier three. Why did you yep. not put him in tier two? Mainly his situation right now of not being there. And again, this is through the lens of how you're drafting. And so for me, it just carries more risk um, knowing that he's going to be there. But also just the quarterback situation he's in. You know, if Richardson just comes out and shits the bed altogether and that he's worthless stretching the field at all and the safeties are playing downhill, the linebackers are playing downhill, while Taylor might get leaned on, it it could be tough sledding. He could get you know, beat up and he, you know, it could be a short, <laughs> a short little window for him to produce because it, it's really reliant on also that quarterback and that play calling to stretch the field. And they're just stites. And I don't know, you know, you got a first year quarterback, you got a first year head coach, you got a running back that helped. There's a, there's a lot of question marks that as the season play out, you could be like, well, I should have seen that shit coming. Mm-hmm. Sure. Sure. And that's a good answer. And that's, that's one that I think a lot of people aren't necessarily thinking about is, 
we have a bunch of new things here. I, John Taylor was a, an absolute buy for me going into last season because I was riding the Matt Ryan train. And I was like, Matt Ryan's going to come in. He's going to clean up this offense. He's going to be better than Carson Wentz. And that's only going to open up the opportunity for John Taylor to continue to shine. Because if Matt Ryan can move the ball down the field through the air, it's going to it's gonna soften up those defenses a little bit and give those running room for, for John Taylor. Instead, it was an absolute dumpster fire. Matt Ryan was shit. John Taylor got hurt. Like, it was just, it was a really sad year. And you saw it. So I, I think that's a fair assessment. I personally would have John Taylor in tier two solely because I and I understand where you're coming from with the fact that he, you know, he's got these ongoing issues with the Colts. I'm in the camp that he's going to play. I think he's a great value. And, and mm-hmm. I, I do think the athleticism trumps on that one for me. So I have him in tier two. But I I, <clears throat> I really love the argument you brought to the table for that. Yeah. And, and ultimately, just to add to what you're saying, Hunter, is that we've seen Jonathan Taylor be the number one running back in the league with shitty quarterback play already. We've seen it happen. Yeah. Um, the, the bigger yeah. thing that I'm concerned about is with this new quarterback situation, who's going to get the touches in the red zone, um, you know, assuming that they can get down there at all. I think that could negatively impact him. Uh, but ultimately, if Jonathan Taylor is on the field for the entire season, he has top five upside, which is why I think he belongs in tier two. Yeah, uh, we'll go to tier three. So very obviously, Alan, we we know that John Taylor's on there for you. You've also got Tony Pollard, Joe Mixon and Josh Jacobs, as I think I, I previously just mentioned. And Scotty, you have Joe Mixon, Najee, ETN, Aaron Jones, Romandre Stevenson and Cam Akers. Would one not argue that Cam Akers is a reach here? Yes. In fact, he was originally in my tier four and I moved him to tier three. Uh, But I was betting on the fact that I'm high on Cam Akers. Uh, He's another one that's got some question marks. We saw a lot of issues with him and his relationship with the organization last season. We don't really know how that's going to pan out. Uh, But this is a team that won the Super Bowl two years ago. This is actually a pretty good football team as long as all of their weapons stay healthy. And if Cooper Cup can stay healthy and if Matt Stafford can stay healthy and Cam Akers is the go-to guy, granted, that's a lot of ifs. But if those things pan out, Cam Akers could be very, very good and he's a great value pick as far as fantasy goes because not any you know nobody's really really high on him so he's someone that you can get in those middle rounds um and you know typically you can get him at a good value and i think he's going to outperform his value i i am high on k makers and i i i like him in a tier three not because i think he belongs there but because i think a lot of people comparative to where his ADP is, I would put him in a tier three. Like I I really would. Like I think his, where he's being drafted at is a tremendous value for him. You know, we talked about this, I think it was two weeks ago when we did our, our mock draft, Alan, you and I were kind of fighting back and forth over who was going to get to draft cam Akers on that turn that we had. And uh, I like cam Akers. I think he's a great value for where he's going. And as we have discussed previously, Sean McVay prototypically uses a one running back offense. So Cam Akers is probably going to be that guy in the volume alone. You could hope that uh, that he gets there. So, Alan, you put uh, Etienne, Aaron Jones, Romandre, Alexander Madison, and quote forgot Akers in your <laughs> in your tier four. So you you snuck it in, and I kind of killed it for you. Um, no, I I put forgot. I put that's forgot. Okay. It's okay. Um, no, he always and I gets forgotten. Going back to the Cam Akers thing, I think you and I were fighting over him really late too, and you I were. think that's. I think that's going to happen a lot in redrafts if you're looking mm-hmm. at running backs and you miss them late and you just kind of went wide receiver heavy and you just kind of got your tight ends out of the way. I think Akers is a good look late. It, this 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 draft this year is kind of it's just completely wild because you're just going to have to take so much risk. It's gambling still, right? Like as much as we want to think that we kind of know how these things are going to play out or where these guys could end up, like it's you got to trust your gut. And so 
again with my list these was kind of like my gut my guys the guys i'm going with through this season and etn aaron jones Ramondre, and madison all kind of represented the same kind of thing could be but not sure but guys why, why? And, and when i say why i mean let, let etn is the one that really stands out to me because you both have etn pretty low scotty you have etn yeah. as a tier three alan you have etn as a, a, a tier four most people are drafting ETN fairly early. So why do you both have him so late? Yeah. And this is, this is again, how I break them up in my brain. Like who would I want to have over the other? So ETN could still go really early. I think for me, that offense, it's there. There's still some things that could shake out and they captured lightning in the bottle at the very end of the year. And it's, can they do that again? Can, can they keep that magic going with old uh, Dougie P? You know, like that offense was humming. They have some weapons, but they have a lot of weapons now. And as I, I, I said in a few episodes back, like when he was with the Eagles, they let it rip. You know, they were they were rocking and rolling with tight ends, wide receivers like they liked to push the ball and they like to do it in a hurry. And so uh, for for me, it's more of just kind of where I view them in my brain of how I think the production's going to go. And I think his production's going to be similar to that of an Aaron Jones, Ramondre or a Madison this year which isn't a knock at all, even saying tier four. Like, I think those guys could produce too, but it's, again, the risk reward. Like, how much are you willing to stomach? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's exactly what I would say too. You know, it's not like I'm low on ETN necessarily. I'd still be happy to have him on the team, but this is an up-and-coming offense that is going to spread the ball out. And so, and not to mention, now he's got new competition in his own backfield. So I just don't necessarily want to draft him in the third round uh, when you can find better value later on. And so I, I view him and Najee Harris and Aaron Jones and Ramondre very, very similarly. Sure, and a lot of people are also high on Najee, and I just want to point out why. Why are you high on Najee? Because he's one of the most inefficient running backs in the NFL. He has been one of the most inefficient running backs as far as yards per carry. What really helped him his freshman year was Ben the Tree Trunks Roethlisberger throwing him the ball. So, and you're not getting that out of out of him at this current juncture. Scary. I would not draft Najee where he's currently at. We were screaming from the rooftops last season. Don't draft him where he's at. People obviously did because ADP was there and they kind of paid the price for it for a good portion of the year. So yeah, well, the thing about Najee is that he's got pass catching upside, which is pretty rare among a lot of running backs this year. So that's why people view him like that. If you're in a PPR league or a half PPR league, you see potential extra value there. Uh, but we just didn't really see that pan out last season. It's not like Pickett was checking down to yeah. him every other play. And when he gets the ball, he's not efficient. So I, I agree. I don't understand why people are so high on him. I, I, think, he, I think right around Aaron Jones, ETN is perfectly yeah. reasonable for Najee. If you guys remember the uh, Trent Richardson train of fantasy football way back when, where like he had like a good year and everybody was really high on him, and then everybody kept drafting him, and then he was just shit. But everybody kept drafting him high because you were like, "Okay, he's, he's gonna there. do it. He's an Alabama running back. He showed me one year. He showed me a year where he could do it. Look at his body." But it was like the same thing show up for me with Najee that showed up for me with Trent Richardson, and that was really, like you said, the inefficiency missing holes not cutting right like you can see it and i think last year on twitter was like a constant reel of him like missing not doing what he should be doing and, and i i hope that trend doesn't continue for him like personally but from a fantasy perspective i i feel that's kind of where we are no and i i tend to agree with you i did want to touch on one thing uh while we are in tier three here joe mixon scotty you have him as a tier three alan you also have him as a tier three 
what's up with that? Do we not do we not feel as if Joe Mixon is valuable enough to move up to a tier two? He is a three down back. He's got PPR upside. He's in a very, very um, high powered offense. He's been the guy for a couple years for the Bengals. So why do you both have him listed in a tier three? Um, he's right on the cusp for me. He's the first one in my tier three. So I, I if you make an argument for it, I'm not going to fight you on it too hard. Um, he's obviously got some pending legal issues, which is a concern. Um, but ultimately, I look at someone like Josh Jacobs, and you see the upside with Josh Jacobs. We saw it last season. Tony Pollard, we've seen, you know, he hasn't had to carry the full season workload, but when he's on the field, he looks like a star running back. And Joe Mixon, I think he's got the workload to produce for you for fantasy, but you don't get that same vibe from him. You, when you watch him run the ball, you don't think this guy's carrying this team. And not to mention, the best weapons on this field are receivers. Um, so I don't think that they're going to be looking to give the ball to Joe Mixon in key situations as often as possible, like you will with Josh Jacobs or like you will with Tony Pollard. Um, you know, obviously C.D. Lamb aside, but I, I, I just think that Gross. Joe Mixon right in this right in this area is reasonable. And if you were to really push me hard to move him up to tier two, I could move him to the end of tier two and not lose any sleep over it. But I think tier three is where he belongs. Same kind of thing what Matt just said. If you look at even the Cincinnati red zone offense, and that's what like a lot of fantasy like players don't really look at is what is the, like, what are they going to do 20 yards in? Like, what are they going to call? Like, who are you going to give the ball to? And more often than not, you're going to want to keep the ball in Joe Burrow's hands. Mm -hmm. And more often than not, he's going to want to give it to Chase Higgins, Boyd, you know, one of those. And he could also, the, the running backs last year also did catch a few touchdowns, but combined that whole backfield caught like six touchdowns out of the backfield in the red zone, you know, all year. And so, it's where you're going to get that scoring from. And I think when you're looking at where am I going to get my touchdowns from? Cause that's what fantasy football is. Who's going to score the freaking touchdowns. And for me, that's where I would default to in this offense. Zach Taylor is probably going to dial up a play that keeps the ball in Joe Burrow's hand. And it's probably going to try to get one of those wide receivers, the ball. Mm -hmm. Okay. I, I, th I think that's a good explanation for those. Um, we're going to move on to tier four, the last tier here. We were talking about, just a moment ago, we were talking about Travis Etienne, and we were talking about the volume that he's set to see and how that's kind of what helps bring him some of his value. You both have uh, Miles Sanders in your, in your final tiers here. Could one not argue that Miles Sanders is going to be a volume play? And for that reason, he has some, some sexy fantasy football appeal for that reason. Do, perhaps maybe... Do you think he's he's valued fairly as as both of you? We had some tier break um, discrepancies, but uh, for your your tier four guys, like, do you think Miles Sanders belongs in tier four? I mean, he was certainly a usable running back for the Eagles a lot of the time. He wasn't used as if he was, but he looked good when he's on the field. Is Miles Sanders a candidate for a, a, a buy low that could really come out and shine for you? Because the Panthers' offense is is he could become a a, a pretty big workhorse with that rookie quarterback. Yeah, for me, it's just I don't know. I haven't seen success in this new offense yet, so I don't know how much there's going to be scoring opportunities. So I, I do think he's going to be a value play. I think if he's falling to you late in drafts, he's worth an add. I mean, there's a reason he made the list. So it's not like I'm low on him. Uh, but if he's going to get a huge amount of volume and never be in the area to score, you know, 
it's it's going to be what it is. So I think it's it's reasonable to have him right around the same area as Alexander Madison because it's the same sort of thing with Alexander Madison that he's going to be the only one there, but they're throwing the ball to other people. Um, so I don't know if he's going to get those scoring opportunities. Um, you know, J.K. Dobbins the exact same thing. So Miles Sanders, I think he will be the guy, but I'm just not confident enough in this offense for him to score the fantasy points necessary to move him any further up the tier list. Yeah, I think Matt hit the nail on the head on that one. <clears throat> Last year, he really benefited from the fact that um, that Eagles offense was high flying and they got some stability there. The quarterback position. He had 11 rushing touchdowns last year, 1,200 yards rushing. Prior to that, the year before, you know, you know, I mean, injuries and things that happened, but no rushing touchdowns. The year before that, he had six. You know, his rookie year, he had three rushing touchdowns. And Matt, you know, receiving has never been there. He had no receiving touchdowns last year and that's just not the kind of back he is i think he benefited from the rest of that offense really booming and now that he's removed from that offense i'm a little hesitant to say he's going to continue the production just all by himself all out of the blue i i see miles sanders is one of those guys i am actually buying at, at his current adp because i'm going with the early wide receiver look and mm. miles sanders is a great volume play for me like i i look at that offense for what it is adam thieland is like their wide receiver one that's really gross and very concerning they have jonathan mingo who's a, a rookie wide receiver they have uh gosh i can't remember the other guy's name off the top of my head um and that's a problem because i can't remember his name and so you look at this offense, they've got a rookie quarterback. I, I like the volume. Yes, there is some concerns because they have to move the ball down the field somehow. But the volume that Miles Sanders could see, and, and you look at it like what happened last year, like Deontay Foreman kind of came onto the scene and was certainly a usable running back. They, they know how to run the ball. So obviously they have a new uh, head coach and, and that changes things quite a bit. But I still like the volume play. So um jameer gibbs you guys both have him listed at the bottom of your tiers if yeti was here i think he'd have him like tier two <laughs> i'm really so, high on him i don't know about that yeah I, I mean you look at my tier four and all of these guys i'd be happy to have on my team you know you look at jameer gibbs or miles sanders or madison or dobbins or james connor or Shad white i would target any of these guys if the value is correct so i'm i'm not low on jameer True. gibbs i think he's going to get plenty of volume i think he is but you know he's a rookie we don't we don't really know how he's going to pan out. I think he's in a good situation. Uh, he's still going to be sharing a backfield. Um, so I, I personally think this is a appropriate ranking. Yeah, I think that too. I think this is also kind of these rankings for Scotty and I are really a representation, I think, of, if I could sum it up, our ability to reach. Like, which guys are we more likely to reach on? And I think yeah. that's, as I read through this, that's just kind of like how it, like, it's kind of funny. But yeah, I agree. I'd be more than happy to have any of these guys, like, given the state of running back affairs and fantasy football right now. It's just kind of where we are. I'm a little disappointed in the both of you, if I'm being completely honest, because I don't see James Cook anywhere on any of your guys' tier lists. Is he just not a running back? Damn, that's a real I had cold. to cut my list somewhere. I couldn't that's put fine. like every running back on there. You know, that's fine. He didn't make the list. He's there. playing for one of the better <laughs> offenses in the league. He's a bell cow. It's whatever. I'm not would you, salty. Would you rather have James Cook over anyone in my tier four list? Um, I would say not anyone, but there's, he's high in, on your tier four list for me. James Connor to me on your tier four list, Scotty is probably the one I'm targeting the most, uh, or the earliest, I, I guess is probably a fair statement because he is a bell cow. The Cardinals aren't slated to be good. Somebody has got to move the ball and Connor looked really freaking good last year. 
question for you is james cook even the best running back on that team because i think the best running back on that team is that quarterback well no i get that i understand that <laughs> and i think his adp is pre-baked into that like his adp yeah. it's not like he's going fourth round like i wouldn't take james cook yeah. there but yeah. like where james cook's adp is at i think josh allen's pretty much pre-baked him to where his current adp is but once again, I'm looking for the guy who's on the field because I've drafted a couple good wide receivers early and I need a running back that's just mm -hmm. going to be there and hopefully right. can get me a touchdown on a yeah. weekly basis. I think that's fine. But one of the things about James Cook that we've talked about is, you know, we've said, okay, the Bills want a running back who's capable of carrying the ball and being effective in the passing game. But one of the fantasy truisms that we've always stuck by is rushing quarterbacks do not dump off to the running backs. They tuck the ball and run when they're in trouble. And that's just the case with the Bills. So even though James Cook has that ability, it's not like I'm expecting him to be a PPR nightmare. I'm, ex I'm expecting him to catch a few balls and to be okay. But I'm not, you know, overly excited about that situation for him necessarily, not to mention, you know, Stefan Diggs is still in the operation and he's going to be the go-to guy. So I think that's probably why I'm a little bit higher on James Conner is because James Conner has proven that he is just as effective as a wide receiver. And Kyler Murray previous to the injury, of course, was almost hyper-targeting James Conner in a lot of situations. So, um, and, and not even Kyler Murray, but after Kyler Murray's injury is when James Conner really skyrocketed for PPR value. And, and James Conner had a couple catches where I was just like, I don't even see wide receivers make these. Like there was some really great ones. So he's got hands. He's athletic. I love James Conner. And where's current ADP at? It's very juicy. Um, I have this last little nugget of information that I just think is interesting. Dalvin Cook's mother, also James Cook's mother, because they're brothers. <laughs> she named Dalvin Cook Dalvin James Cook, and she named James Cook James Dalvin Cook. So the brothers also have each other's names, and I just so want to. She, she might be the least creative person to ever. I live. was just gonna say that. What a lazy ass mom. Yeah, she's like, oh, you can have your brother. <laughs> unless, unless they hold some like deep family ties, and we just yeah, then we're just assholes. Shit all over their whole family for no reason. Yeah, I just uh, think you can probably come up with at least one more name, and uh, names are I hard. Haven't seen it from her, so I'm not drafting her. I don't know. Sure. I don't know what a slap dog is, but I don't slap dogs. Names are difficult. I get mm -hmm. it. Uh, gentlemen, that's it. That's all the time that we have. I appreciate both of you guys bringing those tier, the running back tiers to the table today and, uh, and discussing the running back market for, for these running backs for fantasy football because draft season's just right around the corner. And even more importantly, NFL's right around the corner. So pretty excited for it. Gentlemen, let's get the hell out of here. We are out. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure you tune into our new releases every week on your favorite podcast app. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, and check out leatherbrains.com for all of your fantasy football needs. And remember, Brainiacs, a championship should be more than a fantasy.